right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people that get our attention and convince, persuade, and influence us, they're not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so that we tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately all become better at selling by being human. All right, so I am super excited for this next guest. This is somebody that most people would definitely say is not in sales. They are not a traditional salesperson by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm excited to share this person's story here. This person's brand is the Connection Counselor. His number one goal is to help you unlock the best version of yourself. With his blend of accessibility, insights, and passion for communication, he sees every encounter as an opportunity to learn and improve. He's the host of the Why It Works podcast, which explores the hidden principles behind the why things work and the creator of the Unlock Your series of books, which helps you unlock the talents you already have inside. His groundbreaking book, Unlock Your Charisma, wrestles to the ground the elusive ability known as charisma by finally identifying the mechanism that generates it. He's got a BA in psychology from the University of Virginia, a Juris Doctor from Georgetown University, so he's a privacy attorney by day, and he's also a student of Aikido, a self-help book junkie. You'll see he's a shaved head proponent and a Harry Potter super fan. Please welcome none other than Joe Kwan to the podcast. Thank you, Alex. You definitely give the best introductions. (laughs) All right. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So I am being human right now. So I'm going to plug in my computer. So I'm realizing I'm looking at my battery. This is on the podcast and it's like dying. So I'm going to take my headphones off. Nice. In the middle of this interview and plug in. While I'm doing that, Joe, the reason why I brought you on, you talk a lot about human connection and you wrote a book on charisma and unlocking your charisma and others and all sorts of different things. And I want you to talk a little bit about maybe how that kind of shows up. We'll talk a lot about kind of how that shows up and how you coach and, you know, what you speak about and, you know, just the power of, of human connection and interaction. But my first question for you, so we structure these interviews kind of getting to know who you are. I feel like sales, you know, is, is just this broad term that I'm trying to kind of unpack with this thing. And we all, I think in life, it shows up in our daily lives without us even realizing it. And it shows up individually. We're all different beings in this world. And so I want to get to know you. So the beginning of this is about you, kind of your philosophy on how you connect with others. And then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what people can do, how it shows up in your day to day, and then end off on something fun. Okay. So my first question for you, Joe, knowing you're a Harry Potter super fan, if we were students in Hogwarts, what would the sorting hat put you in? What family would it put you in, Joe? And why? A little bit embarrassed to say, but I think it would be put me in Slytherin. I'm not uh, quite oh, brave enough to be in Gryffindor. Oh, no. <laughs> and for those that don't know, Slytherin's like the kind of the bad or the kind of the, you know, I don't know if they're evil or not. Maybe we, that's a, for another podcast, but okay. And why is that? Yeah. Slytherin's kind of like the more ambitious, kind of more, you know, clever, quote unquote. I, I could also maybe be fitted into Ravenclaw, which is like the more bookish. But uh, my <laughs> wife, she's straight up 
Gryffindor. She is the brave, like courageous one in our family. And then, you know, we have these lanyards that we wear like for our keys. And we can't have the same lanyard because we'll be taking each other's keys all the time. So she got dibs on <laughs> Gryffindor. <laughs> and I have That's a Slytherin. Awesome. That's nice. I love it. I love it. All right. So yeah, so tell us about Joe. Tell us the story of the unique human being we get to hear from today. What should people know about you, Joe? Yeah, so one thing I've really benefited from just in the last few years, it's funny, like everyone at a certain age says, you know, God, I wish I had known these things, you know, when I was like in my 20s, it would have been like amazing. Mm, But even just learning it when you're older, I I think is good. And, And one of the great things that I learned recently is when I started reading more and listening more and just doing more studying in terms of connection and principles and business and and sort of improving yourself as a human being. What I noticed, and I was going through about one book a week, and that sounds like a lot, but (laughs) it isn't when you listen to it on audiobook on your commute, right? And actually, you can get through a decent-sized book in a week. And what I realized is the same principles keep coming up over and over and over again. They're in different language. They're from different times. They use slightly different terminology, but it's the same exact thing they're saying. And then I st- it just got through my thick head. And I was like, wait a second. This is important. This is real because they've been saying it for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once I got that, it's just sort of unlocked something for me. If you, mm-hmm. if you distill things down to like the pure principle, you can see all the applications in the world. It's almost like you were blind one day and and you got glasses. And now you can say, oh, okay, that's what's happening. That's why this person is getting along with this person and they're not getting along with that person. It's not mysterious. It's not a secret. They've known this for thousands of years, but we're just so busy and distracted. and, And it's like the answer is right in front of us, but we don't see it. So that's one thing that I've learned over the past couple of years. The second thing I would say you know, and why I ended up picking the name The Connection Counselor is if you think about anything that you want to accomplish, Alex, and and for a lot of your audience, it might be sales, right? So anything that you want to accomplish that requires more than two people, you have to be connected, right? If you're not connected to the other person, you're dead. You're done in the water. So Everything has to do with the connection to the person because then you can influence them. Then you, you know, they can do things that are of mutual benefit without that connection. You know, you got nothing. You're done. Yeah, I totally agree. I see a lot of people saying, you know, sales is all about value, providing value. That's it. Like it's not about the product. You know, sometimes that, you know, people mistake, you know, you don't have to get people to like you in order for someone to buy from you. But I would maybe flip that a little bit as like, you do have to get someone, you do have to connect with someone to get one to someone to buy into you, or I think buy from you because, and we can talk about like just the definition of what you think it is. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But if you're not attuned and, you know, you feel emotionally and, and you're connected through their mind of what they're seeing, the perspective of this, how they see the world, then you're just really, yeah, you are just selling to a empty room. <laughs> it's not two, it's, it's one, it's a sale of one between one. So Alex, let me ask you, how do you as a professional salesperson define value, right? I agree with everything you said, but how do you define yeah. the value that you're providing? Yeah, I mean, you know, Warren Buffett once said, and I kind of have a similar saying, like price is what you pay, value is what you get. And I think it's really just, yeah, what are you giving and what is the person receiving? 
And is it, is it making their life better than it was before? It's just kind of simple. I mean, whatever you're selling, doesn't matter if it's for your job or whatever, how are you genuinely serving their needs, taking your agenda, taking everything you have off the, the table? And the value is external. The value is completely not what I get. It's not a give to get. It's, it's completely how is their life better? How is the world better because of what I provided to them? So I'm going to tie it all back together from what you're saying, because I agree with it 100%. If you imagine, here's the person you're trying to sell to. In my right hand, they're a gear, mm-hmm. right? And this is you, and you are a gear. You're both gears. And you're not connected. So you spin your wheel, they spin their wheel. What happens? Does one affect the other? No. No. So connection is not really about like, I like you, Alex, or you have a nice smile. You know, it's not about that. It's about bringing the two together. So now our gears are interlocked. So now when your gear turns, what happens to their gear? Turns as yours turns together. Yeah, and, wh- and when their gear turns, what happens? Yours turns as well in the direction that they, they're turning. So now when you say value, the value that they want the value that they need, it's almost like you can't help but know what it is because you're connected. So as they say something to you and they say, Alex, this is really important. Now you're not thinking about like, okay, which product line do I want to sell them? Which whatever, whatever. I'm not a sales guy. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But but you know what I mean? It's almost like you feel them. They feel you. And it's almost, I don't want to say inevitable, but it's much more likely that you're going to find something compatible that you can go together because it's the connection and how what that gives you which is the sense of like what they feel you feel what you feel they feel and that's very powerful so i feel like that's a super kind of simple but important principle when it comes to influencing people yeah no it is it is so simple and we make it harder i was you know hearing you on in things you've written in other podcasts and you you kind of asked one of your guests i think it was amy blashka kind of why is it so hard for people to build deep connections? If you're, you're saying that's what we all want, we all crave it, we all want to feel part of something bigger than ourselves and we want to belong, why is it so difficult? And maybe that's, before I ask that question, I want to ask you, you know, you also asked her, I don't know how many people you asked this to, but why did you want to come and talk about connection today? And I guess I want to ask you first, why is this important to you? Why do you think connection is important? Is important. Why should we be talking about it? The reason why is I feel when we are connected, two things happen. One, everything just becomes so much easier, right? Like you ever, um, life is. You, you ever like start playing a sport or start a hobby, and in the beginning, it's like it's so hard, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, I I just cannot strike that golf ball properly, or you know, like uh, you're yes. bowling or something. <laughs> Yeah, you're bowling or something and you're bowling gutter balls, right? And you're just like, why is this so difficult? And you want to give up. But there comes a point where you sort of figure things out, right? And then all of a sudden it becomes easy. You know, the the ball just flies off or, or you get a strike. And when you're connected to others, when you're connected sort of, you know, to yourself and what you're really about life just becomes a lot easier because normally we're disconnected and we're either fighting against others and ourselves, mm-hmm. or we're just not even realizing it and we're like going the wrong way. 
You know, they say, what's the best way to ride a horse? You know, the way it's going, right? The direction it's going. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing. And then the other thing is, man, isn't the world a better place when we can connect to other people, when we can connect to our spouses, our partners, our friends, our coworkers, and when they're having a bad day, we understand that and we accommodate for that. Or when we're having a, a really good day, they can sort of celebrate with us. Like the world is just a much better place when there's connection versus disconnection. So to me, I'm very passionate, one, about helping people's lives be easier because it stinks to like struggle through life all the time. And two, just in general, just making the world a better place. Because if you have a bunch of people running around connecting, that's much better than having a bunch of people running around just saying, me, 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 get out of my way. I'm going to run you over. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, did this show up for you at an early age? Like, where is there a moment of time where, you know, it clicked for you or, you know, you, you said you read everything and kind of, you know, all of this kind of clicked for you, but I'm curious, like if there's, you know, was there something early on that you think, you know, if you really look back, you can see, yeah, you know, maybe I was always looking for connection or maybe I was taught that through my family or my values. And then I just, it was always inside of me. You, there was another thing uh, where, you know, you, Robin Williams kind of reveals as a coach, the student, how to write a poem just by you know, kind of leading him, leading that horse to water and having him, that student, just really imagine it. So I wonder, do you think there was a moment or was it a combination of different things or just, yeah, kind of something happened later in life where you kind of brought it all together? Yeah, so great question. What I would say is it's a combination of things. The first thing is just like the typical thing, right? Like, you know, your upbringing, your values, like that's all true. I, I think that all played a part in it. A little bit later in life, I'd say maybe 15 or so years ago, I started training in, in Aikido. And uh -huh. it wasn't the training in Aikido, don't get me wrong, I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and train in Aikido, although it's great, I love it. But that's not the point. The point is, when I started studying it, it kind of shifted my mental framework. And I kind of got a skeleton, like a scaffolding in terms of the way I viewed the world. Whereas before, I kind of like, I would take this class or your parents tell you one thing, yeah. your friends tell you this thing, and it's just kind of yeah. like yeah. random, right? But mm -hmm. through this, and it could be something else. It doesn't have to be a martial art. It could be something else that you do. It could be dancing. It could mm -hmm. be whatever. I just kind of like, it had a certain kind of framework and principles that I could start to see after many, many years of, of studying it, that I saw like how all these things fit together. And once I had that kind of organized as a scaffolding, it was a lot easier for me to sort of take other things I saw that had nothing to do with martial arts and kind of place them into that framework. And then the other big thing that I think was, I actually give a lot of credit to the Aikido training, was I believe that we learn things better when we learn them in our body or through our body as opposed to just in our head, right? So when you learn something and you can kind of feel it and almost have the analog of the emotion and, and the motion, it becomes more meaningful to you. And a lot of the things that I teach start out with a physical basis. Like I'll give you a quick example. Let's say you're really mad at me, right? And you want to get into a fight, right? And you yell at me. 
and I yell back, what happens? Where do we go from? It gets worse. It escalates. gets worse and worse, right? How come? Because I am sort of, (laughs) we're butting heads, right? We're literally butting heads and and we're fighting. Now, let's say you yell at me, right? And, And I don't act like a jerk, but I just, I'm quiet and I just listen and I say, okay. And you're yelling more, right? And what happens after a few minutes of you yelling at me? Maybe you get more mad or, you know, maybe <laughs> some people like kind of just forget about it or it kind of just moves on to something else. But I would say, well, like they crave your response. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of, it kind of dissipates in a way and we shift to a new mode, which is not a yelling mode, right? Yeah. yeah. Now it becomes a listening mode and now you and I can have a conversation. Yeah. So like physically, I kind of think about it as if you were running at me right? And wanted to knock me down. I could run at you, right? And we could tackle each other and see who stands up like in like Rocky two or something. (laughs) Or I could just wait until you got like kind of right near me and I could just step out of the way. And you just keep going. Right? And then you run it, you run at me again, you run at me again, right? And I just wait, I don't use any energy. I'm just standing. And as soon as you think you have me, I get out of the way again, and you keep running. At some point, you get tired, you start stumbling. And then you're not running at me anymore. And now we can sit down and have a beer or whatever and say, hey, Alex, I know you're mad at me. Let's, let's talk about this, right? But if I start defending myself, if I start making excuses, if I start accusing you saying, oh, I did this, but what about the time you did that? Oh my God. Right? <laughs> Joe, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're putting me on the couch right now and I'm uh, going to get into trouble with my, my wife. But no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. No, no, but you're absolutely right. It's, I think it's human nature. I think that's, I was going to ask you a question, but you almost led me to it, which is where do you think people falter in connection the most, most common? And you actually, that story is something that real, without you knowing this, I don't know how, how you would know this, but I was in a situation like that in college where this person had a little too much to drink. They didn't like me for whatever reason. I don't think I played fraternity dues or something. And they confronted me, ran at me, and I did the ole, and he went under me, and he fell. And <laughs> I didn't want to fight him. I, I wasn't, and he did that. And I think it was just kind of ended that way. But, and we laughed about it later. But yeah, but yeah, so why do people falter? Or how? What yeah, are the common so, ways people falter the most in connection? So I'll tell you two things. One, I'll tell you the reason why we have trouble connecting. And then two, I'll tell you kind of what the solution is or, or kind of what the cure is to that. And to me, these two actually unlock everything. Like if you can actually figure these out and apply them regularly, you're never going to have to buy another sales book, self-help book. Again, if you can apply it, but it's easy for me to say, but it's harder for you to like take it into your body and actually like, you know, into your heart and like use it. So the first thing is all of us are, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, we're scared of not being loved, right? We're scared Mm -hmm. of not being enough, right? Yeah, you said that in your book, yeah. Yeah, so we want to survive, right? So we put up all these kind of egoic kind of things to make ourselves look good and, and, and to be better than other people because deep down inside, and it's not a bad thing, we all kind of want to be loved, but there's this kind of deep insecurity that runs through all of us. I don't care how much money you have, how successful you are, we all have our deep-rooted insecurities. You wouldn't be a human being if you didn't, right? That's just normal because you, you grew up and it happens. So that's the one thing. So that really creates a lot of what I would call 
problematic behavior or challenges or self-sabotage, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. really goes back to, you don't even realize you're doing it, but subconsciously, like your unconscious is trying to protect you, but in a way that it's actually sabotaging you. Oh, no. And then the other thing is the remedy for this, right? And this is crazy. When I learned this, like, God, it wasn't that long ago, but when I figured this out or when I read this and it actually sank into my head, I was like, holy crap, this is really, really easy to understand, but hard to apply, right? You and I, the reason why we cannot connect, Alex and I, is the more I think of myself as Joe and you as Alex, I'm immediately kind of building fences between us, right? If I look at all the differences between us, you know, you're a sales guy, I'm a legal guy, you're white, I'm Asian, you know, you have hair, I unfortunately have no more, you know? Yeah, only only <laughs> yeah. sometimes do I. I'm, I'm losing it, Joe. So if I think of things like that, it's like I'm creating the disconnection in a way, mm. right? Like you're just mm. you, but in my mind, I'm like focusing on all the differences between you and me. So here's the key. The key is to dissolve that boundary between you and me. And if you think of the gears again, right? Imagine gears with force fields around them. They can't connect. You have to dissolve the boundary around you so now we can link up and connect. And that requires me to be vulnerable. It requires me to be trusting and honest. It requires me to be a little bit brave in you know, what I share with you. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't require me to think like, hey, no one else exists. We're all part of one big blobity, right? That's not what I'm saying. And in actuality, you contribute to the connection because you are you, right? Like you're Alex, right? You're not like your race. You're not your height. You're not your job title, but you are like a person, right? And all those other things are going to change. You know, your, your, your hair is going to change. Your job is going to change. Those are all going to change. But inherently you are like, you have something inside you, a soul, a spirit, an energy, you know, however you want to look at it. And I do too. And it's in that combination of the two getting kind of closer to each other that you create a strong connection and it doesn't mean you become nothing and i become nothing and we go into some weird amorphous amoeba that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is when you dissolve the sort of the wall between the two of us and we each bring our own unique thing that's when the magic happens like that's really powerful if you can do that yeah no i totally agree and i think a lot of times even myself, I falter with this too. I, I'm not perfect in any way. None of us are. But I think it's like thinking like, I don't know why you believe that way. Or, you know, when someone comes at you, it's like, I just don't get how you could look like how you could see that way. And, you know, it's like, well, I'm you, I'm me, you're you. And, you know, let's try to find common ground and where we, you know, can agree on things together and know that we're part of, we can actually move forward. We can connect when we are, you know, more curious, we can like find what, you know, someone really, and just removing our agendas and kind of find out what someone, you know, really needs, I guess, in that moment, be there for them, just listen to them and not judge them. And, and kind of, you remove, you take down that, like you said, that force field as much as you can. But I think we kind of, you know, it's easy for us to forget that sometimes because you just, you're so ingrained in who you are, who Joe is, who Alex is. Yeah. Do you remember the movie He Said, She Said? 
I'm going to say no, but I know like I'm going to get killed by my wife for this. No, it's, it's, it's basically, you know, it's a story of something that happened and it's told twice, you know, once from the perspective of a woman, but it's the same thing, right? I like that. I like movie. I've seen the affair is something I like on Showtime and that's similar, different, similar. Yeah. Yeah. So here's something I learned recently that just totally blew me away. I, I can't remember where I learned it, but they were talking about how we experience things not like a video camera recording it, right? Like stuff happens in the world. Don't get me wrong. Like what happens is actually happening, right? Like, you know, if if a truck is, you know, rumbling into my house, the truck is rumbling in my house. No amount of thought is going to change the fact that the truck is rumbling into my house, right? But we each, our minds kind of take the different signals and the stimulus and the senses that are out there and process them differently. So, There is no way I could be standing exactly where you are, right? And seeing the same exact thing, but there is no way that I will experience it exactly the same as you. Like 100% just, yeah. It'll be slightly different. Like I may hear more of the sound, you feel the rumble, right? It has to do with how we were raised, our biology, our DNA. And then so we each intake something. So to me, it's incredible that we actually do have amazing things like empathy, that we can actually know anything about what anyone else is thinking. So I feel like a big fallacy is where we get ourselves in trouble. It's like, okay, something happened and I felt this way about it. Why doesn't everyone else feel that way about it? What I would say is I'd be shocked if anyone felt the same way. You did. You'd be really fortunate because they happen to have a similar set of experiences or yeah, their brain yeah. processed it yeah. in the same but way. But no one does. But no, yeah. the actuality is no one does. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that's the baseline. <laughs> I, I start from the baseline, like, why should I assume that anyone sees things the way that I do? And once you unlock that, now you can really start to connect because now you're like, okay, let me understand what you think or what you saw. And then now we can bridge it. But if I come at you, Alex, and I say, why don't you see it my way? How's that going to work for us? Terrible. Yeah. It's, it's going to torpedo. <laughs> I don't care about what you, your, your world or what you think. So yeah, let's tra- like, uh, kind of transition a little bit and kind of how it shows up in your day to day. So I sure. think all that you just said, you know, connection, how we're together and, and you know, really kind of moving each other, we're like gears, it is so what I think not just, you know, selling in the workplaces, but, you know, and what I think just being a great human is that just some of those skills is what sells. It's what, you know, call it connecting with others. I call it, you know, selling human. But, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you, how some of these skills show up in what you do in your day-to-day and maybe what you do in, in coaching. How does connecting, how does just being a good person show up in what you get to do every day for your career? So I'll share with you two principles, and I have to give credit where credit's due, learned from reading Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Love it. Um. Um, And also one of his colleagues at the Black Swan Group, Derek Gaunt, wrote this great book called Ego Authority Failure, which also has a lot of these great principles in it. And the thing that's interesting about their approach as hostage negotiators is yep. they threw out a lot of the academic, you know, tit for tat, you know, like salespeople, they grow up on this like Harvard sales kind of thing. Like they know all that stuff, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. what the FBI found out was it doesn't really work, like not in the mm. real world where people are like emotional and, and dealing with stuff. 
So their approach was based more on research and things that they found out in the field that had to do with how people feel and the energy and accounting for that, right? Mm -hmm. So the two things that I learned from their books and from them, the first, call it the accusation audit or accusation audit. Label, yeah. Okay, yeah. So basically that is, and I'll give you a funny story about this. So one day I get up in the morning and I'm kind of a little bit in a rush and I, and I go off to work and I get to work and I'm, you know, signing on and getting ready for my meetings. And I got this nagging feeling in the back of my head, like I forgot to do something, like there's something I'm missing here today and it's not had to do with work. And then all of a sudden it dawns on me. It's my wife's birthday today, and I ran out of there without wishing her a happy birthday, right? So now I'm thinking, okay, when should I call her? Should I just try to call her after some meetings and, like, avoid it? And so here's here's what I learned. You have to go in there and address that thing immediately first, head on. So what do I do? I call my wife, and the first words out of my mouth are, bad husband calling, bad <laughs> yeah. husband calling. <laughs> and she laughs, you know, you can tell she's still a little bit upset, but it kind of like takes that negative energy out. Now imagine if I had called and said, honey, I'm so sorry. I was really busy. I had all these important meetings. How's that going to work out for me? Where am I going to be sleeping that night? Alex? Couch. <laughs> <Where> <laughs> if, even I, if I even get in the house, right? <laughs> so to me, that's like, that's like an emotional energy connection thing, right? Like right. I can't go in there and like pretend that it didn't yeah. happen. I can't steamroll her and try to get her to believe that, you know, my perspective of having forgotten is more valid than her perspective. That is not going to end well from a sales, marriage, friendship, anything. I remind myself that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the one thing. And I use these all the time, like throughout my life. I don't just limit it to professional or personal is the concept of how people really want autonomy, right? Let's say, yeah. yeah, let's say you're thirsty, right? And I say, hey, Alex, drink this water. How does that make you feel? I'm like telling you to drink water. Who are you? Screw you, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I know, my, I know if I, what I need. And here's the thing. You're thirsty. So you may actually not drink the water while you're thirsty to spite me. Because I tried to, right? We do that all the time, right? We, we, we cut off our nose to spite our faces. Like, you God. ain't the boss of me. <laughs> Have you ever made dinner for your significant other and been in a fight and the person and then, then they do not eat the dinner that you've made? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So a lot of times what I do in my coaching, a lot of my people that I coach, you know, they want to get in contact with someone or they want to start a connection with someone. Okay. That's why they, they come okay. to me as the connection yep. counselor. So what I always tell them is, you know, there's three magical words that you can type in like the very beginning of the email and they work all the time. No one's going to yell at you and say, don't try to manipulate me. And they're super duper powerful. So let's say I want to get in touch with you. And I say, dear Alex, right. And you don't know me. Like this is before we've connected. Okay. And the first three words after dear Alex is no reply needed. Mm. No Mm. reply needed. Right. How do you feel after you read those three words? I have choice. I have autonomy. I can back out. I have an out. He's giving me an out. Now I go into my pitch or my trying to connect with you or whatever it is I'm trying to do. Now take those three words out, right? Dear Alex, 
My name is Joe Kwan, and the reason I'm getting in touch with you today is I have a very delete. valuable proposition. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Everybody, everybody deletes that, right? Because you're forcing yourself on me in a way. But just by saying, look, I have no expectation for you. You can read this, you can reply, and guess what? More often than not, if you are contacting the right person and you're writing it in a respectful, professional way, you'll get some sort of reply, right? Even if they say, oh, I'm not interested, you will get like some sort of reply more often than not. Whereas, you know, with the other email, it's just zeros across the board that the yeah. delete spam. If you're, you know, if you're not lucky, mm -hmm. they'll even like, you know, mark you as spam, which is not great. But that's worked for me so many times. Like I have no expectation of this person to get back to me. And you'd be surprised the people that get back to you and say, hey, you know, let's chat or let's talk. Yeah. And very powerful. Yeah. I think I try to use it too, kind of like the approach of, you know, listen, if this isn't a fit, I want you to be able to tell me right up front and be okay with saying no. Is that okay? Can you, and give them the permission to say no before they can just say, oh, that looks great. And that's awesome, Joe. Yeah. Like, let's connect. Let's do it this day. And then you know, they move the meeting and move the meeting and then never call you again. Because people want to be nice. They don't want to say no. They don't want to tell you no. But if you tell them it's okay to say no, or to, like you just say, remove expectations, then they start thinking like, okay, maybe this person's, you know, at least I'm comfortable talking to him. And if, if it's a no, then I'll, then he's okay with it. You know, he yeah. doesn't have some other hidden thing going on. So. Cool. Well, I can't end this off without knowing about your book. Tell us a little bit about your latest book about charisma. How do you define charisma? How can it help in connections? How can it help us, you know, really just in, yeah, selling ourselves to others? I think there's so many different applications, but, you know, in a brief kind of way, tell us, tell us about it. So charisma, the way the book came up, and that was my first book, just released my second book, Unlock Your Executive Presence. But definitely want to focus on the charisma because we sort of talked about that before. Yeah. Here's the key to charisma, right? Everyone thinks it's elusive. You have to be born with it. Just like how they think like people who sell a lot are somehow gifted, you know, yeah. and didn't have to work for it, which you know is totally false. No, it's human. Um, we all have it. So with charisma, the problem is no one can really define it. And even if you ask the most charismatic person in the world, how they do it. They can't explain it, it to just you. Am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like asking like a Formula One driver, how did they drive 200 miles per hour around a track at Monte Carlo? They can't explain it to you. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not yeah. possible, right? So that, so that raises a challenge. Well, how do I get more charismatic? Everyone wants this thing, right? Like everyone wants to be a Formula One driver or whatever, but you're not going to get it, right? So how can you even have a chance at this thing if no one can explain it to you in a way that makes sense? And the thing that I realized is the reason why charisma is so hard to explain is this myth that we think charisma exists inside us. Like it's something I carry around like a wallet or a possession, right? Yeah. But the truth is the charisma exists in almost a space between the two of us. So it's mm. how I am and how you are. And it's almost like that there's either a tractor beam or a repulsor beam between <laughs> us. Like that's where the charisma lives. Mm. So that's mm. why it's so different. So that's why I can be, let's say I'm always like really funny. Okay. So, and that's the only mode I have. Well, now people who like funny people are going to find me charismatic. Mm. 
people who are more serious are going to be like, that guy's a clown, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's the thing. It's yeah. because I haven't accommodated what other people need. I'm just being me, take it or leave it. And hopefully I'll hang around more people who like funny people than people who are, who are more serious, right? Yeah. Like that's how most of us move through life. And that's why we can't really understand charisma. So the thing that the book kind of reveals is that charisma is about providing the other person whatever is most needed by them, them, that person, not you, by them, that person specifically in this given moment, you and I are together. What do you need emotionally? I deliver that to you. Think about that for a second. If someone delivered, if every time you met someone, they sensed what you needed emotionally, Alex, and they helped you get it, how would you feel about them? I would proactively want to hang out with them. I would seek them out. They would make isn't, me feel good. And I want, isn't I, that charisma? I want to feel good. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that Absolutely. charisma? That's exactly what charisma is. I want to be around this person. I can't explain why, but I just want to be around them. I feel so good when I'm around. That's charisma. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how I stumbled across it. A coworker of mine, Sharag Patel, he started asking me awesome. these questions and we started thinking about it. And I was like, holy crap, no one's actually written about this or mm. talked about it in this way before. And he said, Joe, this is better than anything I've read or videos I've seen. If you wrote a book, I would buy it. And so I wrote the book. Yeah, that's destiny right there. <laughs> My wife defines it, would define it as reading the room. And she's extremely charismatic. People are drawn yeah. to her. And when you wrote that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like things that my wife, like she had a birthday party, invited her friends to Hawaii and sent out invitations. But the invitations were like these personalized, like Hawaii gift bags with like flip flops and like a Yeti koozie and like, you know, like, snacks and like just awesome stuff like to you know go on the vacation with people like oh like what what is going on <laughs> like <laughs> you know and like they loved it and we couldn't do it for everybody and if you're listening and you didn't get invited please we wanted to have everyone there but you know like that's just like she always thinks about kind of how to like really give someone a great experience when they're with her or you know, yeah, she's always thinking about them, you know, so it's, it's exactly what you were talking about. And people are drawn to her <laughs> all the time. And, so. and, and that's what drives me crazy is that a lot of people will not take the advice that your wife gives and instead will look for some sort of list to tell them yeah. what to do. Make yeah. eye contact, you know, yeah. listen actively or something. No, 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 no. It's exactly what your wife said. You read the room. You understand what people want. I would just add, and this is what she does because she sent the, she sent the gift basket. You deliver it to them, right? It's not yeah, enough yeah. just to know like, oh, I know you're sad, Alex, but I'm not going to help you. <laughs> you know, now I'm just observant, right? Like yeah. I'm not charismatic. I'm just observant. Yeah. Like I'm really empathic and observant. But until yeah. I do something to change your state, I haven't really became charismatic. So to me, that's the key. You have to sense emotionally what they need and deliver it. And I would say that's how sales happens too, Yeah. right? You yeah. have to sense maybe emotionally what their footing is with their boss or how important this project is to them and blah, blah, sure. blah. And then you have to address that and you have to make that okay for them before they can even entertain closing a deal. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, it just goes back to kind of everything. And it's really like, if you can kind of sense and just discover and really get at the heart and the essence of what someone is feeling 
in thinking and, you know, just kind of what their background is. It's all like, they're just made up of this awesome, infinite, you know, just package of possibilities and experiences. And you can kind of, and they feel like you're genuinely tuned into all of that. Then they'll let you go on whatever you call it, journey, or they'll let you in and they'll open, it's just, they'll open up and tell you things that you wouldn't have been able to find out just by on the surface or just by assuming. And that those things help you whenever you're creating change. Because again, I think the best sales are when you don't feel sold. It's not even a win-win. It's a no-lose. You're both in a shared benefit together, mutual benefit together. Can I sort of add on to what Go you're ahead. saying? Go ahead. Yeah, Because I, I was thinking the same way. I'll just state it slightly differently, but 100% agree with what, you, yeah. with what you were saying. Yeah. So, you know, people often think of sales, it's like, I'm trying to get you to spend your money kind of thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. That, that's yep. the framework that most yep. non-sales people think of yep. it, right? Yeah. But what you just expressed and what I believe is when you make that connection, right, you are not just changing them. They are changing you. Yes. Without right? you wanting to change you. Yeah. Because like, think, go back to the gears, right? It's not like you're the only one turning. They're turning too. And if you're connected, you can't help but be affected by what they want. So now maybe you're thinking about different things that you normally wouldn't have thought of for another customer that will really help them. Maybe sure. you're going out of your way or discounting, sure. whatever it is, you sure. know, but that is inevitable when you have a true connection with someone and you're, it's as if you're one still separate, but connected as one that's when you get the best results and it, you can't help it. it. You're not even trying at this point. It becomes easy. You know what they need. They know what you have. Everything just flows. You know, you don't even have to ask for the meeting because they say, this is, you know, I want to ha- talk to you again. And if you do ask for the meeting, you'll know exactly when to ask for the meeting because you can feel it. Like you can feel the energy in the room. Like you feel, you probably feel the energy, right? Like you know when someone's ready and when someone's not ready. That's because you've become so attuned to them and they're attuned to you. So you know now your timing becomes perfect. So you don't ask too soon and blow it or too late and lose it. You're like, okay, now's the time we go and you just go. Yeah. So, you know, kind of things that people can just do in their everyday, just small things they can practice. Cause I don't, you know, want people to think that this is some lifelong pursuit that they're, you know, trying to climb a mountain for. What are some things you think people could just do or just practice even today, tomorrow? I love that question. So I started coming up with stuff after I wrote the book exactly related to that. And I came up with this thing called a charisma kata, right? And a kata, it's just like an exercise. It's like a practice. It's like practicing layups or, you know, shooting baskets, right? It's like you do it over and over and over and over again. And after a while, it gets ingrained in you and it becomes easier, right? So this is a charisma kata or practice or exercise. So I call it blank paper. So it's very easy. This is what you do. You're talking to someone and I would say, you know, talk to someone that you're, you're friendly with already. Don't talk to an absolute stranger, right? At a time where you're not going to be disturbed, just like a normal kind of quiet moment that you have together without other people interjecting a lot. And just ask them, you know, very simply say, how are you feeling today, right? Or you can make an observation about how they're feeling. Like you seem kind of down, yeah, right? That's so, so that's Foss, step one. Yeah, yeah? yeah so that's seen, step yeah. one. And then step two is you become a blank sheet of paper. You stop talking. All you do is you let them talk. 
And then I want you to picture when they're talking, it's like their words are being written on you because they're coming into you, right? They're sharing, oh, well, this happened and blah, blah, blah. And all you do is, you know, you, you pay attention, you nod, you know, if they lose steam, you know, you say, tell me more, you know, you prompt them and you don't add anything. You don't ask questions. You just, you're blank and you let everything just pour out of them in step two. And step three is at some point, let's say halfway down the paper, they've been writing, writing, writing. It'll start to click in your mind like, oh, okay, I know what's going on. I know what we should talk about next. At that moment, when they're done, now you go in and you say, oh, you know, well, you know, this is what I'm getting from you. And, you know, let's talk about this. And it is just shocking. It's like they look at you like you're their best friend or something. Why? Because that never happens. No one takes the time. Yeah. No one takes the time to listen to you, to ask you how you're feeling and just let you go. You know, I'm so guilty of this. I mean, I think people whose minds run quickly and my mind kind of, it's always running quickly. One of the things is like, I almost assume I know what you're going to say. And like, I want to say it for you because I'm impatient and I want to get to what I want to say because it's so clever right? <laughs> That's exactly the wrong way to be charismatic and have a, no one likes that guy or gal, you know, but when you just sit back and you say, Hey, you have some time, tell me what's going on. And you really understand you become so charismatic to that person because sometimes people just need to be listened to, you know, yeah. they just need to be seen. Yes. To be heard. Yeah. So that's what I call my charisma kata. Number one, blank paper, super simple. Cool. Easy. Yeah, very easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what I think that that can replace is the common thing that we tend to do and it's just kind of superficial and it's just, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? And, you know, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm okay. And like some of us, like if we're connected, we may open up and tell them like this deep story of something happened, you know, a fight that happened or something crazy funny that happened in our day. But a lot of times you just go, yeah, yeah, like I'm, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, weather's nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. And you don't go deeper instead of like, just like, how are you feeling? Like, how have you been feeling? And just like pause and, and maybe even ask a follow up. Like, are you sure? Like, yeah, what else has been happening? You know, and I don't know, just kind of like get beyond the surface level stuff. But yeah, that's my hope. I loved what you said, by the way. All right. So ending off, Joe, I could speak to you for a long time and (laughs) I'm going to probably suggest people like break this up. But the last thing, you know, is just about you, kind of something unique about you that I think kind of makes you kind of the person you are. We kind of talked about how everyone will approach situations differently. So I want to, you know, kind of bring that out. And so I'm going to ask you this question. What is something or a situation you've put yourself in that would only or could only happen to Joe Kwan? Something crazy in your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have this thing called a reverse superpower. And, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like really amazing, but it's like not good. You know, it's not like being able to fly or or be really strong. (laughs) So my reverse superpower is the ability to get lost, even while using a GPS. (laughs) Even while driving to a place that I've driven to like 50 times before, I have this unique ability when, when it's left and right and it should be left, oh. I go right. When I think it's right and I try to trick myself, 
and I go left, it's really right. I mean, it is anyone who knows me, my family, my poor wife, she bought me a GPS. Oh they came out, <laughs> you know, they're just like, why can you not figure out where to go properly? So I always tell people like, do not ask me for directions. Don't follow me unless you're willing to get like really, really lost. Oh my gosh. I was wondering what the hell reverse superpower even defined as, but that's a pretty concise definition. <laughs> a regressed superpower. That's oh, right. Man, that's, that's right. awesome. I love that. Joe, Quan, you're so awesome. Learned so much. Where can people continue this conversation, find you, and connect with you? Absolutely. So easiest way is just to go to my website. It's www.connectioncounselor.com. So you can see videos. You can sign up to get some free resources. I think it also links to my YouTube channel there. So I have some instructional stuff there. The other great thing is if you want to learn more about charisma or executive presence, I have both books are out now as ebooks, and I just recorded my first audiobook. So the Charisma book, which I shared with you, Alex, is now available as an audiobook as well because I just love listening to things through audio. So I thought I'd do one for my own. Cool. Awesome. And I can attest it is a must get. It's you know just a very concise, companion, friendly read. You want to get it. So Joe Kwan, thank you so much for jumping on this podcast and just your connection with me. And I look forward to a lot more conversations and ways our connection can flourish in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Joe. Same here. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof All right, see you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.